Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Some Christian churches today maintain the practice of observing festival and feast days in the church on the exact day which they occur on the church calendar, no matter what day of the week that might be, like we do with Christmas. But more commonly, Christian churches rooted in history highlight other important festivals of the church year when they fall on a Sunday, like we're doing today with St. Michael and all angels. Now perhaps when you entered church and saw in the bulletin that title for the day, you thought, why are we celebrating St. Michael and all angels? Well, as the Church of the Reformation came out of centuries of Christian practice, that of which was honoring angels and saints, so much so that even prayer was attributed to them and even worship offered to them. Now, while wanting to move away from such sinful practices, our Lutheran forefathers did not wish for all attention to the angels to cease in their entirety. As a result, we celebrate all the angels on one day of the church year, September 29th. That date in antiquity was used for the dedication of a church which was named for the angel Michael. And since Michael is the angel most often considered to be the protector of God's church, it is fitting that Michael and all angels be remembered on this day of the year. Since it is not often, though, that we celebrate this day in our divine service, it is also fitting for us to take a few minutes this day to say what it is that the Bible says regarding angels. Start off by saying angels are a part of God's creation. We know that before God created the heavens and the earth, only God existed. God ceased His work of creation with the sixth day, resting then upon the seventh. All angels then, we conclude, were created as perfect beings on one of those six days of creation, though we know not which one. They are upright and spirit beings, and they do not possess any physical form or physical nature, much like that of our own souls. They can take on the appearance of man, but do so only for a limited time and by God's design. Angels, we recognize as part of God's creation, then are finite creatures. That is, they have limits, boundaries. They are not all powerful, though they are certainly more powerful than we are. Angels, likewise, are not all knowing. They cannot read your thoughts and your minds. It also means then the devil and his fallen angels cannot do the same. Angels are not present everywhere at any time in multiple locations. Each angel can only be in one place at one time, though they can undoubtedly travel much faster than you and I. Satan, again, is included in this description, which is especially helpful 
because we often think of Satan being at our back, tempting us directly. But because he is also limited in his location, he himself is not likely hounding you personally or me directly. The word angel means messenger, the angelos, one delivering a message, especially that of God and his word to his people. This is the major task of this group of beings, the angelic realm. Angels are also referred to in the Scripture as the heavenly host, the Sabaoth. <clears throat> that word, host, better gets translated as that of armies. Use of this word. Along with other passages talking about angels as defenders and guardians of Christ's church lends to the idea that another important role of the angelic beings, the holy ones of God, is that of guardian or that of warrior. That takes us then into our Gospel text for today and why it is selected for the celebration of St. Michael and all angels. For there in Matthew 18, at the very end of our passage, Jesus says why the angels are to be considered as such. Before that, Jesus had taken a child, placed him in the midst of his group of disciples in response to their question, who is the greatest in God's kingdom? And Jesus then says, see that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. This gives us that very idea that Christians have angels assigned to them what we have conveniently called guardian angels. Do we have more than one angel with us? We do not know. Are there enough angels for every Christian to have at least one, if not more? Again, the Bible does not state such facts. But it does say that there are myriads of myriads of angels, thousands upon thousands of them, we hear from John's revelation. But that number of angels is set. They do not reproduce, and they do not multiply. Jesus says as much in response to the Sadducees' question about marriage in heaven in the resurrection. There are no marriages, Jesus says, in heaven. And so therefore, no children will come forth. No reproduction will take place as it is with the angels, Jesus said. And we have a quite popular vision of the angelic realm by that of Isaiah, the prophet, in the sixth chapter. He is taken there into the throne room of God, and he identifies a specific class of angels called the seraphim. There it is that he reports they have six wings, two covering their face, two covering their feet, and with two, they fly. The cherubim are another grouping of angels we find reported in the Old Testament, mentioned quite regularly. But it is not known how best to understand those specific functions of the cherubim and the seraphim. What has been concluded by theologians for centuries is that the angels were created initially with free will. We're given a time of testing before God. Satan and the other angels with him failed 
in that time of testing. It is believed that it was Satan's pride that caused his fall. Him not being willing to humble himself below God. Below God, his Creator. When the time of testing was finally over, that number of holy angels and of unholy angels was set forever. And it is the number of the holy angels that we remember on this day of the church here. We give thanks to God for their faithfulness to Him and their humility in their reverence and deference to God's will, to His power, to His great love. Two of those holy angels are mentioned by name in the Bible. Gabriel, beloved by many, is mentioned in the Scriptures four times, twice in the book of Daniel and twice in the Gospel of Luke. Daniel, Gabriel, Gabriel is sent to the prophet to give him understanding about a dream that he had had and a prayer that he had offered. In Luke, that same angel Gabriel appears to Zechariah and to Mary, announcing the conceptions of their sons, John and Jesus, respectively. The other holy angel that is named is Michael, the one whose name is upon this festival day. He is mentioned five times in the Bible, three in the Old Testament and twice in the New. Michael is named as the figure of, by the figure of the Son of God there in Daniel chapter 10. And he's named by that Son of God as his helper. Michael came to aid the Son of God in Persia. And while nothing too specific can be concluded from that passage from Daniel, it is fairly clear that Michael is an angel called into action when conflict arises with the evil angels. In Daniel 12, Michael is said to arise as the angel who is in charge of God's people. In Jude 9, Michael is seen as contending with the devil over the body of Moses way back through the Old Testament. And in Revelation 12, verse 7, Michael and his angels are seen fighting in the war in heaven against the dragon and his angels. Our, old, our epistle lesson for today. Michael then is often given the title of archangel as a result of these great incited activities. Why the saint in front of his name? Michael needed no redemption, for he has never sinned, never failed that test. But rather that word saint also means holy, as it does for you and me as well, the Hagioi of God, the Holy Ones, all who believe in Christ, all who are righteous, are holy, holy ones, the saints. And so when Satan sinned, along with his angels, not all of the angels had to follow suit. And not all of them did. When Adam, the first man, sinned, however, all mankind fell with him, were doomed to sin. We are all sinners because of our father, Adam. Mankind then is in need of full redemption. And the Lord Jesus came to save us from our sin, all mankind. Those angels who fell with Satan, they're beyond saving. 
No plan of God existed to save them from their fall. They were never need to be in need for a plan of salvation. They were to remain holy and devoted to God alone. But the holy angels of God, they cherish God's plan for our salvation. They look on in great reverence and in great awe as their Lord and their King, God over all the universe, God's own Son, takes on mortal flesh, announcing His great birth to those shepherds in Bethlehem. The righteous angels tend to Jesus as He has need. We see the following there following His 40 days of temptations by Satan in the wilderness. And the angels are ready to rescue the Lord Jesus if He so wishes and desires. As Jesus even states during His time of prayer and of testing in Gethsemane. <clears throat> because of our Lord Jesus' incarnation, because of His taking on of our mortal nature, He has elevated all of humanity above that of the angels. And the holy angels are pleased by this, as it is truly God's will and His purpose for our salvation. This is also then our reason for believing that Christians who die do not become angels. Such would be a demotion and great shame for us, for Christ our Lord has taken on our nature to save us, not that of the angels. Because of Christ Jesus, because of His suffering and His death for our sins, we will live forever with Him with all the holy angels in God's great kingdom forever. <clears throat> and we join them, even now, with angels and archangels, in lauding and magnifying the great and glorious name of God and all that He has done for us, for winning for us eternal life and salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord and their Lord too. Amen. <clears throat> The peace that does pass all human understanding, guard and keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.